Welcome to episode number nine of the Advanced Training Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to hack any conditioning test that you're going to have. A lot of the focus will be on college football conditioning tests, but we'll even touch a little bit upon some conditioning tests for the fire department. Essentially, if you take this formula, you'll be able to beat that test. Now, there's a couple of disclaimers. Disclaimer number one, these tests do not always make you better at your sport. These tests often work energy systems that have nothing to do with the sport that you're playing. So for example, if you're playing the game of football, your play lasts normally between four and six seconds. You get somewhere between 30 and 40 seconds break, and then you line up and do it again. If you're running a test where you're running for 60 seconds straight, that has absolutely nothing to do with the game of football itself. If you are running shuttles across the field, say you're running a, what's called a half gasser, you're running from one sideline to the other sideline and back, how many times, if ever, will you run that far in a game? How many times will you run that far, stop, turn around, and come back? It doesn't really ever happen. If it does, it doesn't happen for that length of time. In those type of running environments where you're going over, over 4 to 10 seconds, you are not operating in what's called the alactic energy system. You're not operating in that energy system. You're operating in a different energy system. Not to mention, you're working on skills all summer that are going to, they don't correlate over to the game of football. Now, to be, to be fair, I was training athletes on how to beat the 40-yard dash. And as I'm doing it, as I'm working on their stance, all I was thinking in my head was, this is not making this kid better as a defensive lineman. This is not making this kid better as an offensive lineman. In fact, it's creating movement patterns in their bodies that are stopping them from doing what they should be doing on the snap of a football. They shouldn't have their stance the way they are. They, sh they should actually shoot the hands when they're a defensive lineman uh, as opposed to throwing their chest out. Uh, there's just so many things that make you a worse football player as you're training to beat these tests. Now, do, there are there instances where you have to beat the test? Absolutely. You have to look good at a, uh, a college c camp. You have to look good at an NFL combine. I get it. You have to pass your college conditioning test. But the reality of it is, is that oftentimes you're getting worse at your sport by trying to beat a test. And unfortunately, there are many more eyeballs on that test. They're looking at the parameters of what you're doing. And uh, sometimes they categorize you on being in shape or out of shape or fast or slow based on how you're doing at these tests. So it's a necessary evil. I wish it wasn't one. I would love to find a progressive college football coach or a progressive system that implements a testing combine where it legitimately just looks at lactic systems where you're working on four to six second bursts with 40 second rests. I'd love to see that. Uh, Maybe at the end of this podcast, depending on how much time we have, I'll get into what I think a good test would be. But for right now, understand that what we're going to talk about with hacking this test for a college conditioning test, th this is not going to make you better at your sport. This will not make you better at your sport. The other part of this that I want to get into is, you know, why do college coaches do this, right? If you say, hey, I get it, man. I get it. You, you know what you're talking about. Uh, so why are they doing it? There's a whole host of different reasons. In some instances, they may just not know enough. In some instances, they may be told to do it by a head football coach who really 
doesn't have this advanced knowledge or even any good knowledge of what strength and conditioning is all about. It's the way it was done. It's the way we've always done it. They did it when they played college football. Well, now we're going to do the same type of test. It could be a badge of honor type thing where you have players trying to cross this threshold of, of manliness or toughness, and they can only get it by beating this test. Uh, you know, even in, in advanced training, we have something called the tough man, and it lasts about a minute. And the only reason we do it, the only reason we do it is in terms of actual toughness. Now, when we do our training, is everything lasting a minute? No. It comes in a very short bursts. It comes in 20-yard increments. We're moving from cycle to cycle. But even in our world, we're doing this to create what I would believe would be a, a mental edge. But having said that, it, I, I would never put that as the actual test for people who have been gone over the course of a summer. And heck, and even on our world, there are, there are little mini breaks as you move from station to station. So that could be one of the reasons. The other reason is they may think, look, if this person can't pass this conditioning test, then they are not fit to play the game of football. All right. <laughs> that, that could be true. But also I'd be worried if they're not fit to pass the conditioning test, will they get injured while they go to school and try and take that conditioning test? Or is there concern that this player can drop as they are executing that conditioning test? I don't know. So there's always a better way. My way is not always the right way. Your way is not always the right way. There's always a better way. And the question is to keep asking yourself your why. And with respect to a college football test, I'd have to say again, some of these things that we do are not always the best to make you better at your sport. Okay, so let's get into some prerequisites. Prerequisite number one, to pass your college conditioning test or any conditioning test you cannot be grossly overweight it's just not gonna work as you are trying to move from one thing to the next one turn to the next as you're running uh, two miles it doesn't matter what it is as you're trying to do these high volume exercises if you are overweight if you are overweight, there's going to be a lot of extra weight to carry around, which is going to wear you out very quickly. It's also going to be a lot of more unnecessary wear and tear on your body. So if you hear these, these little great pointers that we're going to give today, uh, it's meaningless if you are overweight. And as I often like to say, you cannot out-train your mouth. Don't do what I did in college. Don't think, hey, I'm practicing for this 300-yard shuttle so I can eat an ice cream, sun an ice cream cake every Sunday, which I did. All right, that's stupid. It did get me very far in life. So don't try and eat as much as you possibly can to offset all the great working out that you're doing. It's just not going to work. The second thing is that you need good form. You are wasting energy if you are running and your arms are flailing all over the place. You are leaking energy if you're running and you're breathing in improperly. If you're constantly, <gasps> you will hyperventilate Forget about the, the fatigue from running. You could just sit there and breathe like that and make yourself hyperventilate. So you need to be able to control your breathing. You need to correct your arm angles so that you have efficient movement. You need your feet to strike underneath your hips. You need to pull your body through depending on where you're at in your acceleration phase. All of these things are critical because you will leak energy regardless of the timing and the test parameters that I'm going to give you to beat tests. So... That is first and foremost. Last year, I had an athlete come to train before his college uh, conditioning test, and he, he was definitely a little bit out of shape. He definitely had a very long shot of beating the test because of the shape that he was in. 
and the difficulty that the test was was uh, the difficulty of the test that he was getting. But the very first thing we did is we took a hundred steps back and we focused on how do we run. How do we not leak energy uh, moving our arms side to side instead of driving them back and forth at 90 degree angles? We worked on that first. We worked on how to accelerate out of the hole. Then we worked on other little things, which, which I'll get into in a bit. But that, that first part is how you have to have good form. So let's take this, the rest of this conversation with respect to one specific test, and then we can expand it out to others. But I want to use a real test. We'll... Uh, We'll make it very tangible so it's easy to understand. We'll use the test that I had to take in college. That test was known as the 300-yard shuttle. Traditionally, you have to run two 300-yard shuttles, and you get a five-minute break. And the time that you have is related to the position that you play. So what is a 300-yard shuttle? When I was taking the test, that was a shuttle where you ran 25 yards and back that counted as one repetition that's 50 total yards and you would do that six times in a row so it's six 25 and backs no rest now when I played as a linebacker you had to hit 58 seconds you got five minutes rest and then you had to do it again and I know when I was in school one of the things that happened was they took the average of the two times so if you got a 62 seconds and then you got 58 seconds too bad you failed but if you got like uh, 54 seconds and 60 seconds even though one of those times was over 58 seconds you passed so that is that was that's the test I want to talk about today and then we'll use that very specific example and expand that out so let's talk about thing number one thing number one and we talked about form before is with that test you have to do a lot of turning all right if if you're counting this thing out there's a lot of there and backs there are 11 times where you have to cut you're gonna run cut and turn back one of the only times that you're not doing that it's actually the only time is that you are in your your sprint phase to start right you're in that sprint phase to start you get your foot on the line and you start that's it you go then you run to that 25 you turn you cut back and then you run back to the start point and you do it again and again and again. So what, what I like to work on with my athletes who are running this test, and the good news is that this transfers over to your pro agility test, is something called a spider. So a spider is how you run, you stop and turn at the line. If you've ever watched a, a basketball team run suicides or a football team at the end of practice run half gassers or gassers. A gasser is where you stand on the sideline and run to the other side of the field, touch the line, come back, and do that again with no break. A half gasser is just run to the other side of the field and back. If you've watched it, you've often noticed that guys do an awful job of turning. Sometimes they'll stop, they'll stand straight up, they'll smash their foot into the ground, worship it, they'll run, they'll stop, they'll bend over and touch the line. Oh, that's a complete and total waste of time. As your body is moving up and down, the clock is still going. The clock doesn't care. So the, what we work on is something called a spider. I stole that from Martin Rooney at Parisi Speed School. And essentially is you're kind of getting into position. Imagine a spider as they're crawling through the ground. But you're getting in a position where your back hand is touching the line, if that's how your school makes you do it, or even your back foot, which is even cooler. So your back foot is touching the line, and your front leg is facing back in the direction. It's leaning more forward in the 
back of the direction that you're going to run to. So imagine you are in a side lunge. Let's imagine you're straddling the line at the point of contact and you get into a side lunge and your weight predominantly is bearing on your front leg that's pointing back to where you need to go. So if I am running, uh, let's say I'm running to the 25 yard line now and I plant my right leg in the ground, predominantly my weight will be on my left leg and I'm going to face the sideline. So I'm going to be facing sideways as I get to that line. I will put both hands on the ground. Both hands on the ground. That's part of my spider. And then I will take my right leg, which will be my back leg, and I'll move it out a little further. A little further towards the sideline, because I remember I'm facing the sideline as I make this move. That right leg's out a little further, and my left leg's back a little bit. Imagine a baseball player who's in a stance, and his front leg is back a little more. So a lot of times I like to do this so they can see the picture better. In this case, I want to have my front leg out a little further, so that when I push off of that back leg, I am not crossing over my own body to get to the next point. All right, so we work on that slider where I'm in that stance. I'm able to push off both legs, the front leg and the back leg. I'm pushing off the front leg and the back leg, and now I'm driving myself back to my start point. Now, when I get out of the spider, one of the worst mistakes that you can make is popping straight up. So on this 25-yard shuttle, really what I want to do is come out of that turn low. I want to sprint out of that turn low, and I want to stay as low as I can. Uh, maybe, maybe if you get to that halfway mark, you're upright, but then you're coming right back down. Because when I'm running back to the goal line, let's just say I've run to the 25, I spider down. When I'm running back to the goal line, I want to run down to the goal line, throw my hand out at the goal line, let my hand or my foot, whatever your coach has you doing, touch the line. And again, I'm going to face the same exact way when I make this turn. So one of the tricks is, as you're working on your spiders, and for this test, you want to be able to go spider left and spider right. But regardless of which way you're spidering, you should always be facing the same direction. If I continually turn left or right, I'm basically running in circles with my body. I'm saving steps as I'm running this test. So imagine if I'm on the left hash of a football field and they have me running my, my drill. I'm going to run to the 25-yard line. I want to spider and face the sideline, the near sideline. And I'm going to run back and spider and face the near sideline again. My back should never, ever, ever be to that sideline. So we've already saved a couple of steps. Imagine if that saves you two steps just by not having to turn around. Two steps times 11 turns is 22 steps. Now you've already saved 22 steps on a test, and you're not any faster than you were before. Same speed, and now you've, got, you've, saved, you've trimmed 22 steps off of that movement. So what I like to do is work on that spider. Really like to work on that first five or 10 yards. The next thing I like to do is work on the approach to the spider. So the spider, you just start in that position. You kind of like, you're down in that stance, and you're coming out of the gate as if someone is pulling you on a rope. They're pulling you with a rope, and they're basically yanking you forward. All right, I want to throw my body forward low. Now, the next part of this is that I want to work on getting into that position from a running position. So I'll take a step back. Sorry, one thing we also do is I'll yell the word spider, and we go from a stand-up and drop into a spider. We want to be able to drop into a spider at any point. And again, I'm borrowing this from Martin Rooney. Uh, I, am, I have no ego. If a guy's doing something better than me, I'm going to steal it. I'm going to use it. He did something great. I saw it in one of his videos for Parisi Speed School. I had to beat the 5-10-5. You clap your hands, you spider. Right? So I clap my hands, spider. 
we want to be able to have that mobility and be able to, to be able to just let gravity take us down so that we can spider at any point. So the next progression of that is then I am going to say from the five yard line, sorry, I'm say I'm going again to the 25. I want to start at the 20 and I want to run down to the 25. Don't run up to it and drop. You literally want to run down to the 25 and start turning your body to the sideline as you approach it. And then spider. So run down, throw your hand at it because your body's going to follow your hands. So if I'm turning to the, the sideline to my left, my right hand is going to turn down. I'm going to punch the sideline on my hand. I'm going to get into that spider and then I'm going to explode out. So I would continually start working on that approach and spider out. Approach and spider out. Approach and spider out. And I would do this both sides because you're going to have to turn left and you're going to have to turn right. So we haven't even gotten into the test yet, but we've been working on our form and hopefully we've trimmed about 22 steps off of that test. My math could be wrong. It doesn't matter. The point is you're trimming steps off. You are eliminating unnecessary turns like up your body, not just turns there and back. You're also eliminating fatigue. The better you are at making these turns, the less fatigued you're going to be coming out of the hole. That, that is a guarantee. So we've made, these, we've made these quick adjustments to our form. It's something that I would continue to work on. Uh, I wouldn't you know, make it the only thing you do because you have to do, start to get ready to do this test. But I would work on this for, for at least a couple of weeks before you got into that test. Now, if you don't have time, I would work on this every day every day right before you get into the test uh, preparation itself. So now we're going to get into the actual, the timing of the test. So this, th let's talk about this, there's three parameters for the test. There's the time that you have, I have to beat, let's, let's keep this simple, I have to beat this test in 60 seconds. Alright, cool. There is the break that you have, I get five minutes rest. And then there is the distance that you have. Okay, I have to run 300 total yards. So what I like to do is adjust some of those variables, keep some of those variables constant, and then use one of those variables that I adjust to gradually ease you into where you need to go. Now, if you have great form and great conditioning, but you're slow, you ain't going to pass the test, right? So the way that I like to break this thing down, the way I personally like to do it is, I like to make speed the limiting factor, meaning you really can't progress until you get to the speed that you want to get to. So for example, for example, with a 300-yard shuttle, if you have to go there and back 12 times in 60 seconds, all right? If you have to go there and back 12 times in 60 seconds, it's going to take you 10 seconds per length, 10 seconds per length. So for that, I really want to start averaging 5 seconds there and back. If you run a there and back in uh, like 30 seconds, you're going to fail, right? There's no reason to progress any further than that. So really what I like to do is break this test down into small chunks. So let's just say that I do have to go there and back in 10 seconds. Well, then that's the very first thing that you should do is work on going to 25 and back in 10 seconds. If you can't get to 25 and back in 10 seconds, do not go any further. Continue working on getting there and back in 10 seconds. Now, let's talk about the other parts of this. So if you're still like, hey, look, I can't get there and back in, uh, in 10 seconds, what should I do? 
Well, for me, what I would like you to do is take that the total yardage that you have to go. If you have to run 300 yards twice, that is 600 yards total. I would recommend doing a there and back, which is 50 yards for 12 repetitions. All right, so that's still going to give you the same total volume. So while you're working on your speed, you are quietly also working on your conditioning. Now again, we're not making this a conditioning test just yet. But while you're working on your speed, you are quietly working on your conditioning. So yes, am I working on getting there and back in 10 seconds? Absolutely. Am I taking, uh, am I also doing it 12 times to get a total of 600 yards? Absolutely. But I'm not doing uh, two 300-yard shuttles right out of the gate. I, I think it would be a mistake. I know it would be a mistake to just say, you know what, I got to run this 300-yard shuttle in 60 seconds. I'm going to do it twice with a five-minute break, and my goal is to just continue to run this thing faster and faster. I personally don't believe it's going to work. The reason I don't believe it's going to work is, is that you're going to fatigue, uh, and when you fatigue, that's not really a good time to work on your speed. So for me, I like to work on the speed first. Also, when you fatigue, your form's going to break down. All that stuff that we talked about is going to be lost. So for me, I, I believe that you should work on your speed first. So the way that I would do this is I would start with... 12 reps of 50 yards. That's a 25-yard there and back. Shoot to get all of those reps done in under 10 seconds. And then you say, well, what about the rest? You know, on a, a normal test, uh, you get about five minutes rest between the two 300-yard shuttles. So for me, I would shorten that rest period. I would shorten the rest period to, say, about two minutes. You want to recover, but you want to get your, your speed in at the same time. So again, that rest period is short. Uh, maybe a minute and 30 seconds. You, you need to feel this out for you. Again, remember the target here is to get that 10 seconds time. Take a rest period that's going to enable you to recover and do it again. Then when you go to, your, to do this the next time, you want to say go 100 yards. So that's two there and backs. Now if you're doing 100 yards, you don't need to do 12 reps anymore. You only need to do six. Again, your total volume is still 600 yards. Now, if we're following the same simple math, if I needed to do a there and back in 10 seconds, well, guess what? Now I need to do a there and back in 20 seconds. And if we're following the same uh, progression in our mind, now we can increase the rest time. Increase it to what you need it to be. But again, remember, your target is 20 seconds. If we wanted to take a simple pro progression, the next session, let's just say you're getting better every single session. There is no stalemate. Well, then let's go 150 yards. That is now three there and backs. Uh, you would do this four times. Now, four times 150 is 600 total yards. So the yardage is always going to stay the same. Every single session, 600 total yards. This time, uh, because you're going there and back three times, if you're staying at that 10-second pace, aim for 30 seconds. You'll see that this is a nice, simple progression. And you'll notice that as you've done phases one and two, right? One and two is me still going 600 yards. I've now built up um, enough endurance. I've improved my form enough that I can maintain that pace. And as always, you increase the rest. I'm not going to bore you to death with the details of, of how you're going to progress uh, for each next phase. But eventually, you want to gradually work your way up to the point where you are running two 300-yard shuttles. That still equals... 600 yards and what I would recommend is trying to not beat your test if you are struggling if it's a cakewalk who cares but let's just say that uh, 
I need to hit 60 seconds. I'd be okay with hitting 61 seconds. Maybe 62, it's a little close. But your goal is not to run this test five times in one day and come in at 58 seconds so that your conditioning test is easy. While that sounds great in theory, remember everything else I've told you. First off, this test isn't going to help you play football. Second off, you may be peaking. You might be peaking for something that is not going to... Uh, you might be worn down. Uh, you might be peaking in August 22nd for your conditioning test if you go to a certain type of school or maybe July 22nd, but now you have all camp. So you really don't want to be worn out. I would say leave your best performance on this conditioning test for the day of the conditioning test. This is uh, just my advice. It may work better for other people a different way, but this is the thing that I've seen work best. So how does this uh, relate over to other tests? Like, uh, imagine that you're, you're in the fire department, and you need to run a mile and a half. And you have to run this mile and a half in, I don't know, 12 minutes, all right? And say you've never run uh, 10 feet, let alone a mile and a half. Could you, could you guess how I would break this thing down for you? If you are astute, if you are the world's greatest detective like Batman, you probably already have it figured out. Right? First and foremost, before anything, you need to learn how to jog. You need to have good arm angles. You need to have good foot placement. Not only is that going to eliminate waste, that's also going to help you prevent injuries from occurring. Secondly, you would take the test and break it into many chunks. So, for example, imagine if I was going to take this and break it into this mile and a half test and break it into quarter miles, right? I'm going to break this test into quarter miles. Well, guess how many times you'd have to do that quarter mile to get you to a mile and a half, all right? Guess how many times you'd have to do that? Six, all right? So you take that quarter mile test, you break it into to six reps, all right? Now that's going to get you to your mile and a half, and then you take that time, that whatever pace you need, let's just say you have to take the pace of uh, an eight-minute mile, you dump that in, and you break it out, and now you try and run that that quarter of a mile, uh, so yeah, that quarter of a mile in the pace of an eight-minute mile. All right, maybe it's two minutes. It's probably less than two minutes, like a minute and thirty seconds. My math is off right now. Forgive me. Deep into this podcast, but you know what I'm saying. Break that into mini chunks. Break that into mini chunks. Then the next time, break it into half miles. All right. Then the next time you could do two, three quarter miles. But essentially, you're getting the point. You don't just start with the test and then try to continue and jog faster and faster and faster each time. My recommendation is to get the speed first. Make the speed your variable. Make that the thing that you are trying to change. Always keep that total distance what it is. As you get better speed, as you get better form, it, you're going to be expending less energy. And as you're getting that total distance in, you're going to be quietly, sneakily getting in uh, your endurance as you're going, right? You're going to get that endurance in as you're going. So let's talk about some other, some other cheats uh, with some other tests. So one of the other tests I've seen is running 16 110-yard sprints, and I've seen it done in two different ways. One way is, like, let's just say you start uh, on the goal line of the field, and you have to run through the back of the other end zone. There are times, and Steve Armato actually talked about this in one of our earlier podcasts. You have to run the length of the field, and some tests you stop there and wait. In other tests, you run the length of the field and then jog back 
and put your foot back on the goal line. Now, in the one that you jog back or walk back or whatever it is, the ones that I've seen is they give you about a minute. So you, they, they set the clock, you sprint, the clock starts, you get to the other end of the field, and then you get you have to a minute to get back to the starting point and start over again. Uh, when I started doing this, one way that I was projectile vomiting all over the field, I was at St. Joseph by the Sea High School. My sister, who was a college soccer player, was watching me in horror. Like, what is this guy doing to himself? Is that I decided to sprint the 110 and then turn around and immediately sprint back and then stand at the goal line saying, hey, if I sprint it back, well, then I'm going to get this extra 30 to 40 seconds rest. Life is good. Uh, that ended up with, on re- about rep number seven, me projectile vomiting and thinking I was a big loser. Now, I'm no quitter. I fully recovered and battled my way through this thing like a, like a moron and finished the drill, but it wasn't the way to work. Now, even at that age, I did become smart enough to start experimenting, and what I started doing was learning how to beat that test. So rather than sprint back... I decided to jog back, and I jogged back at the right pace, and this carries over to a lot of tests where I wasn't stopped. What I've learned was, is when you stop, imagine you sprint back or jog back, and you get 20 seconds rest. For me, once my body stood at that start point, and I didn't move at all, I don't know, I just started to cramp up. I started to get tired. My breathing started to change. I went to a fatigue state right away. So the way that I teach it to my guys is, if you're going to do something like that, jog back, move around, and get to the start line about two to three seconds before you're supposed to go again. I would take that for a 110 where you have to stop to the other end of the end zone. I'd take it for a 110 where you have to jog back. I would keep that same mindset. Run through that line, jog out, slowly decelerate, no need to decelerate fast, and then keep your body moving until you hit that start point. Now, there's been some pretty a few progressive tests that I've seen over the years. They're not perfect, but they're pretty good. For example, if a team makes you run uh, 1040s, I've seen like 2040s, probably a little too much, definitely a little too much, but way better than a 300-yard shuttle. Let's just say a team makes you run 12 55-yard dashes. Let's take that. 12 55-yard dashes, and you got to beat them all in like uh, seven seconds, right? The way that I would handle this is that I would have a guy sprint through the 55, slowly decelerate. There's no reason to stop and cut and go stand back on the line. Slowly decelerate, jog as, as in your deceleration, turn around. Let's say you took you, takes you about 15, 20 yards to decelerate. Turn around, walk back to the 50. Oh, sorry, the 45-yard line because you'd be running through the 50 to the other side of the field's 45, and time it up so that your foot hits that 45 one or two seconds before your next start point. The worst thing you could do is stand there and wait. That is the worst thing that you can do is stand there and wait. That is just my personal perspective. I think the best way to do this is to turn around, sorry, decelerate, walk it back, put your foot on the line, and go. The other thing I would, (laughs) I mean, again, if you're not fast, you're not passing the test. So I would really stay away from trying to run hard. Running hard it's been proven many a time that actually will slow you down. And I'm not saying like hit the hole hard as a running back. I'm talking about running tight, uh, aggressively. When you run, your your face cheek should be loose. It should be moving up and down, 
right? It should be that's just how loose you should be. We've had guys test out on the the pro agility test and the 40 yard dash, and we tell them, yeah, do a tempo run, just work on your form. And the time's identical to when we tell them to burn it and go as hard as they can. So you should really be smooth, conserve that energy. Again, don't dog it, but don't be in a position where you are ultra tight. Don't don't blow through it that way. So that that formula. The dissection of the test, if you're taking anything from this, don't be overweight. Run with good form. Learn the skill set, whatever it is, to cheat seconds off the clock in terms of turning, starting, stopping. And also the other thing I wouldn't do is wait around in between one set or the other. The last part of it is to use, let's, go, let's call it progressive overload, where you're keeping total distance as the constant. So if you have to run 600 total yards, keep that as the constant, but then you can mess around with the two other variables of brakes and speed. Brakes and speed. And speed, to me, is the number one driver. Use your brake time to allow you to hit the speed that you need. So distance is the constant. Use your brake time to allow you to get the speed that you need. And if you don't have that speed, go back, lose weight, <laughs> increase, your, increase your strength in the weight room, uh, work on your running form, work on your turns, but there is no point in progressing in more conditioning if if you do not have the speed to get past step one. So let's go uh, full circle back with this thing because we did ref reference the, the tough man competition, right? And, and you could say, look, man, this is totally ironic, right? You're talking about these tests not helping you in football, and then you're, you're putting these guys through a tough man. So uh, the answer is yes. They're used to the way we used to run the tough tough man. It was a lot more grueling than it is now, and I used to call it a strong man. And someone astutely said, "said uh, this was uh, Andrew Amaro, by the way." He said, "This is this has nothing to do with being strong. This is really just about being tough." So we renamed it the tough man, and we've actually really toned things down in terms of length of time. So now it is five separate events. Uh, you're not. I'd say you are continuously going, but you're not because there is like a, a mini break in the transition. And you're actually working, I'd say, different systems or different parts of your body as you're moving. So for example, uh, we start with a slider. All right, so that's like relative body strength, a lot of core, a lot of uh, upper body movement as you're pushing your body. But then we transition from that. It's not like we're doing uh, sliders for 60 seconds straight. You stand up, you transition right into a farmer's walk. A different movement. While you're still moving your body, now I'm working on a one-arm carry, right? So now I'm working on uh, hand strength, traps, forearms, walking this thing across the field. Then I'm going into a prowler. All right, different type of conditioning here and some sort of strength depending on your, the, the weight of the prowler that you're using. We're pushing that there and back three times, so a little bit of conditioning going on, but then we get to a seated row. All right, so we get up, we stand up, we get a couple breaths, we sit on a bucket, we're not running anymore, we're not moving anymore, and now again we're working on our arm strength, our back strength, and then lastly we're finishing this thing off with sliders. So to me... There are some more transferable skill sets in that tough man test than there are in a 600-yard yard shuttle. Having said that, that is not the test that I would use to make sure that people are in good shape for a college football program. First of all, you need a lot of equipment. I don't know if you'd be able to actually organize it where you have 120 guys 
cycling through that drill. It would take all day. You'd have to reload it. You need a lot of equipment. I don't think it's the best move. In my opinion, if you were designing a test, it should be somewhere between 30 and 50 reps. For timing purposes, some, those reps should last between 4 and 6 seconds. So, uh, I don't know. 10-yard sprints, 20-yard sprints, 30-yard sprints. I wouldn't make I, I you know what as I'm thinking about this now, I'd really need to think about this a lot more because it's not just about the test as an individual, it's a test as a team. If you have one person and uh I could watch that person and drive them through this test, then I can give you a pretty good answer for what that one person should do. But thinking about this as a football coach or a strength and conditioning coach, you got a lot of people on your team. So it's about how do you, how do you cycle the most people through it? And now that I'm talking about it, that could be the reason why the, some of these conditioning tests were developed the way that they were, so that it's easier for the coaching staff to time everybody. Unfortunately, it's reinforcing bad habits. So I, I think one of my uh, personal assignments is to really think about how I would put together a conditioning test for an entire football team. Now, as a person that coaches football, is this something I've thought about before? Yes. Uh, have I put a tremendous amount of thought into it? No. Because I've always been very concerned, especially at the level of football that I coach at, of an athlete who hasn't come into camp in shape and something bad happens because they're not ready to take that conditioning test. It's not worth it. Like to me right now where I'm at, it's not worth it taking that risk. I would rather gradually ease them into things with uh, practice, a high pace practice you know, speed drills, agility, agility drills before practice and, and get it, get them in condition through the pace of our football practice than putting them through something torturous that could be risky before we get into our season. Uh, it wouldn't be worth the risk. So I'll take my homework assignment as maybe a future podcast. What would be a great conditioning test for, say, a high school football team or a college football team that works the alactic system, can be done with multiple people, uh, I don't know. If you have enough gear, maybe it is the tough man. Maybe not. Uh, more to come. More to come. But for right now, take away this goodie. You now have a full way to dissect any conditioning test with an understanding it's not going to make you better at your sport. Uh, I'm not even entirely sure that jogging uh, a mile and a half is going to make you a better fireman. I don't know. But <laughs> I'd say at least I'll stick to my world. Being a football coach, I know that running a 300-yard shuttle is certainly not going to make you better as a football player. But if you have to take this test and you got to beat it, that's the way to dissect it. All right. If anyone would like to be on a podcast or has a topic that they would like to hear about on a podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, if you got my email, please email me. I would love to hear about it. And uh, Or you can reach out to me right through Anchor, right through this app, and uh, we could talk a little more about it. All right. Thank you.